Hello and welcome to I Hate Music. Today I have Carl from Feral Season. How you doing, Carl? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Um, so you've got a couple different bands we're going to talk about tonight, um, but I want to talk about Feral Season first because that is your newest project. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. We have a record coming out on the twenty second, which I'm not sure when this will go live, but when we're record as of recording it it's about a week from from this day okay great yeah and that's on profound lore it is so we have a full length on profound lore um yeah if you if anybody wants to check that out there's cds and digital stuff is up already but vinyl as as is the case in the covid era is delayed hopefully hopefully november maybe december Oh, okay. Hopefully not later than that. Yeah, that's not too bad. Um, I know a lot of vinyl has been pushed out to even next year and shit like that. So. Yeah, we were we were pretty vigilant on trying to get that stuff in and and confirmed as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 really hard to know um, how long that shit is going to take. So uh, tell me a little bit about the project. I mean. I, we've been talking fairly regularly for a few years now. And, um, I felt like you just kind of told me one day, like, Hey, I have this killer new black metal band <laughs> and, uh, and then here it is. And you have a deal with profound lore and a record coming out. And, uh, so why, why did you start this project? Was there like, were you listening to certain things that were piquing your interest or? Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's a good question. I, um, I mean, I guess really a couple things. The The first thing really was I'd been touring a lot with church. Mm-hmm. And then I was also playing, I started playing with Oculith, which is another doom band from Sacramento. Um, and so I was just only doing like slow, like basically just doom. Yeah stuff. Mm-hmm. Oculus is a little mid-paced and I only do vocals in that band, which is a nice change. But I think after touring so much with church and just playing like very, very slow, um, long songs, I had wanted to get back to playing faster music. Yeah. Basically. That makes sense. Yeah. So that was kind of like, I mean, that's the most like literal thing that happened with it um but i i think i've always i've always referred to black metal as kind of my primary sub genre of metal i guess okay I'm, yep. you know i don't know if you have some an experience like that but oh sure yeah yeah my mind t- well, i mean what, what do you what's your what's your like main main context i mean mine tends to change a bit but you know i i grew up on death metal and i was heavily into death metal i mean for god i mean uh almost a decade before i even heard black metal um so i was i mean i'm i'm through and through a death metal kid but then once i discovered black metal and all the different tangents there i mean black metal spoke to me more than death metal for many years but now i'm kind of leaning more towards death metal again. You know, I just, I seem to like flip flop between those two, um, a lot, but, 
I think really in my heart, I'm more of a death metal guy than a black metal guy. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's kind of silly to put those type of paradigms on it, but, uh, you know, I definitely know what you mean. Like it's, it's kind of like what's in your hearts and you haven't really been, you've been focused more on doom for quite a while. It seems. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess too, as, as someone who, like I, I started playing guitar pretty young. I, I think I was 10. I started playing classical guitar. Okay. And so those two things kind of just always in my memory, I guess, at least they're always sort of mixed together. Sure. Like playing classical guitar, listening to, I mean, to be fair, listening to a lot of different stuff and of probably like a weirdly young age. Cause I got a lot of music filtered from my older brother. Okay. Yeah. So it'd be like, you know, basically listening to things that you would listen to in high school or like after high school as a really little kid. Mm-hmm. So kind of got that and started playing classical guitar. So those things are always kind of associated. But the context of black metal always made sense from that because it was like we would listen to the older record. Of course. The, the acoustic older record. and Yeah. Like, oh yeah, this is just like it's like how black metal could be transitioned to classical guitar, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that always kind of left an imprint on like how I thought about writing music, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would say the the band that most obsessed me out of that stuff was sort of like the mid era enslaved stuff. Okay. And I always felt like there was a lot more to go into with the weird musical spaces they did when it was still kind of raw and, and kind of like weird, I guess. Like you're talking about they like, were applying like Bloodhem era stuff or yeah. Like, like Bloodhem to like, like below the lights is probably the lights. my favorite record that, um, yeah, that's for me, that was like their last, like really great record. Yeah, I actually re-listened to Esau last night, oh. which has some some really good moments yes. on it too. Mm-hmm. But I think Below the Lights is just one of those like culminating, like pretty you know, you make a record like that once in your life kind of yeah. scenario. I think totally. Yeah, it's like the balance is perfect, and it's totally like unself-conscious mm-hmm. and doesn't have the like weird spastic elements that some of the records right. before it had. Yeah. Um, yeah. N- so I guess I, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, now that you mention it, I really did love Isa quite a bit too. Like I haven't heard mm-hmm. that in quite a few years, but that's a fantastic record too. Shit. I even loved vertebra. Um, mm-hmm. Rune, Rune is also good. I'm, I remember. Yeah, I'm not sure if I've listened to Rune. <clears throat> that's the one that came after right after you saw it. Okay. But I was listening to that stuff, you know, in high school when it was coming out. Yeah. In the whatever 2000s now. Um So yeah, I I always I got the those those were the records that kind of were like earworms mm-hmm. sort of. They were always just like there's something odd musically going on. Yeah. Um, and it kind of kind of relates to classical guitar music, and it kind of relates to mm-hmm. like psychedelic rock and other weird like underground 
music. <clears throat> and I guess I always just wanted to do something that felt like it was moving in that direction because it felt like that band kind of moved away from that a little bit. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right. Enslaved are, are interesting to me because I feel like Norway is no stranger to metal and it's no stranger to oddball metal whatsoever. But Enslaved kind of fit in this weird pocket where they're not they're not as weird as your like Dodam Guards or your Vidwenzendas, but they're they're not like totally straightforward either. Like they're like in this weird middle ground and they've kind of forged their own path um, in a way that I can't think of any other band that really has. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I was talking to, who was I talking to recently? Um, oh, the guy that runs a zine arcane archivist. If you've seen that, it's like a newer black metal zine. I've heard of it, but I, I don't, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, oh, actually, Tanner um, from Obsequia mm-hmm. did the uh, a bunch of artwork. Oh, yeah. Stuff for the last you one. mentioned that to me. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think we were talking about that. Yeah. But anyways, the guy that runs that, that magazine, I was chatting to him about it because he posted something about Enslaved. And it was interesting because I think we both were like, oh, this, you know, I still have a lot of respect for that band because they've always just done their own thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Because I think with the direction they've gone into, you could easily become one of those, like, cheeseball, like, Euro metal bands. Totally, yeah. And, And as much as I feel a lot of, like, personal criticism to, like, their trend kind of in that direction, Mm -hmm. they'd could easily have like gone further and yeah probably yeah been more of a like profitable band or whatever right. whatever that would mean yeah. for them but so yeah i feel feel similar to as what you just said yeah i feel like you know personally the last few records haven't done much for me um but i mean i still respect the hell out of those guys um I mean, and even like the the split with Emperor, the Hordanus Lawn stuff. I mean, that's just the keyboard work on that stuff is just fantastic. Um, yeah, but yeah, but uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm a huge Enslave fan. I, I was a latecomer though. I I saw them uh, in '94, I think it was '93. No, '93, '94 with Absu. Um, and I knew absolute at the time, but I only knew of enslaved and it was just, I wasn't ready for it. Um, and then was that on that first, uh, tour that they did in the U S yeah, it was, they played with absolute in like Texas, right? Yep. Or like a bunch of places, I guess, but yeah, it was, it was at the Milwaukee metal fest and I think it was 93 and they both played, um, together that night. And yeah, I mean, I wasn't ready. They were in Viking helmets and, mm-hmm. you know, Absu was like half naked and Proscriptor has whips. And I mean, it was just like, it was a huge thing. Um, yeah. Well, especially from a death metal background. It's like, yeah, I mean, what, like, what, what is this shit? Like, I knew, weird yeah, I mean, thing. I knew Emperor and Burism at that time and that was about it. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, it was just so different than what I was used to. And then uh, years later, um, I was hanging out with Chris Maycock from Dawnbringer and, uh, He's like, oh yeah, and Slaves like one of my favorite bands. They're like the most macho band. And I'm like, 
that does not appeal to me. Like you're not making me <laughs> want to listen to it. But then I listened to. It's also kind of an odd description for that band. I thought so, but, but it kind of fits. Yeah. It's like these big Viking dudes, you know. Um, yeah. But then I listened to. I mean, it wasn't too long after. I was like, okay, I'm gonna check out. I think it was Bloodham actually. And I was like, okay, like I know what he means. Like it's, it's visceral. It's beastly music. Um, and then after that, of course, I fell in love with most of their catalog and like records like frost are just you know they're magical yeah yeah well let me get back to that but before i forget there's a really um interesting multiple episode documentary on enslaved norwegian national television made Mm. i think okay i watched it last year like during quarantine and it was like premiering um, so it's very recent, but it's crazy because they talk about that tour that you saw them on. Oh, really? Okay, and cool. Yeah, they have like these crazy stories of like we went to Mexico and like <laughs> yeah, the back line that was like of these shows and um, I you know I, that's the era when two like European bands didn't know what the U.S. was like. Yeah, I know like European metal bands because you're like no, you're not like the resources for bands are not, they're not going to be like, you know, there's no youth, youth club that no. has a full back line for you. No, <laughs> like, no, none of that. So, no, uh, um, no grants from the government think, to help you out with a demo. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Yeah. There's not a, there's not a humanities fund to support your concert yeah. here. Um, but that, that's a, a really cool, documentary that I I think even if you're not an in, incredibly into that band you would still find interesting because there's a lot of a lot of the good context for that era of black metal that sometimes gets kind of blown out of proportion sure yeah um, so I, th- I think you'd enjoy it I would I would recommend I'll looking check that out yeah that's really cool I think then the television the national television there is NRK I think I've heard of that the initials are okay so yeah um, but Frost is a really important record to me. I remember being a teenager and I'd go out with my brother. We, <clears throat> so we grew up like east of, of Sacramento, like up in the, kind of in the mountains, but not quite like super high mm-hmm. up. And we would, you know, there was nothing to do. So we would... Yeah, he'd had like mixtapes of things we'd put on and go out at night, just like go drive out somewhere to go for a walk, basically. And I remember we would listen to, I think it's this, it's the track that's after the intro. I don't remember if it's Frost or Loki. Yeah. Whatever, whatever that track is titled. But that guitar riff and the atmosphere of, the beginning of that song mm-hmm. is just like, I don't, it's untouchable. Yeah. Yeah. It's like nothing else, even in their own, all their other records. There's just like, that is such a mind bending, like yeah, piece of music to me. And yeah, I mean, I try to <laughs> try to rip that off as much as <laughs> possible, basically. Yeah. So that was, you know, that's a big musical influence for 
feral season stuff was like, you know, I mean, that's obviously much earlier enslaved than the other stuff we were talking about. Sure. That record must be what? 93, 94. It's hard to keep track because they recorded, they recorded a lot. Yeah. In that time frame. Um, but I believe they did that and the other record after it in the same year. And I can't remember what the actual release date is. Okay. Um, but that documentary has some pretty interesting like archive footage of them going into the studio and just seeing they're like their kids. Like it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. You know, like the guitarist is, I think 15 when they start the band. So by the time they're recording that stuff, he's like, I want to say like 18 maybe. Yeah. That's so Um, crazy. It's just, it makes me feel like such a piece of shit. I know, man. I, I, I see, um, I recently stumbled across some old emperor rehearsal footage from God. I don't don't remember what year, but yeah, same thing. Like they're just, they're just babies, you know? I, I may have sent that to you. Oh, you did. The one that's, that's right. Yeah. 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 Cause it's them rehearsing when they did that first UK tour. That's right. Yeah. And it's just like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's just like flawless and super raw. Yeah. Or like left hand path. Like some of those guys were like 15, 16 when they did that. I mean, yeah. it's just insane. I'm like, my daughter's 16. I'm like, you haven't even made a demo yet, man. I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Got parenting standards over here. I know. Like, man, you, you should have an awesome album by now. Yeah. Are you going to Sweden to record? I know. Seriously. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, that's, I don't remember where we started with that yeah, engine. Yeah. But... We're just raving about Enslaved. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're an excellent band, in my opinion. Yeah. So you were obviously influenced by Enslaved. Um, but, you know, I'm, sure that feral season is more than just you trying to copy enslaved um yeah yeah hopefully that's not the (laughs) the one comparison (laughs) i don't think it i mean after i listened to it i didn't think enslaved um that's that's good i think yeah i mean i can see once you bring it up i can i can see uh some connections there but i don't i don't think by any means it sounds like enslaved um yeah so you, you basically wrote this record yourself. Is that right? Yeah. So, so I, I basically, I started, you know, there was some stuff I was messing around with, um, pre pandemic, but I was pretty busy with other stuff and didn't put much effort into writing on my own. Mm-hmm. Once we were, you know, cause in California and I'm sure a lot of other places we were just like fully quarantined mm-hmm. for quite some time on and yeah. off. And, you know, it was pretty, you know, everybody has their own experience of that, but it was, it was definitely a weird time. And it was one of those things where I always wanted to put more time into to working on something like this. So I, basically just started demoing at home just writing songs and I think I was like well I'll do everything but I can't play drums Mm -hmm. um 
and I don't want to like sacrifice on that part. So I'm gonna like you know write songs and figure out something to do. And actually, initially I was working with Aesop. Yeah, I remember that. I think I told you that. So he we demoed one thing, and he was busy with some other stuff. So I was kind of bouncing around, and then um, Pat Hills, who also plays drums in Oculus and does a bunch of other stuff. He has a recording studio here in Sacramento. I showed it to him because, you know, we play in a band together and Mm -hmm. I was like, well, we'll all record with Pat when it comes down to that. And he was just like, well, you know, he's like, do you care if I like try it out basically? And he's like, "I, I forget how, how that came up, but, he, he was in, into the songs, and um, basically just, I was like, well, yeah, I, you know, I'm totally down to do this together. It's super easy, and he just got, he got obsessed on it, too, because I get pretty, um, it was pretty, like, obsessed with it in terms of, like, a day-to-day working project sure, thing yeah which was also i mean at that time definitely like emotional survival kind of scenario mm-hmm. um so that that played a big part in it and pat just basically went full on i started writing and demoing drum parts like like cr- like crazy basically and then he added some he demoed some some rough like scratch track drums at home and then put some synth stuff and then you know I, I revised a couple of song structures and that was basically it like and I started tracking so yeah it was a wasn't really like there was some goal to make a record per se sure like it was kind of weird because it was like my especially in you know the middle of 2020 it was like i don't know what's happening with with anything in the world right uh now so it was basically like started you know with this idea to make some black metal type music and there's some some lyric writing and kind of literary type stuff that went into it and then there was that influence of just being like, I have to do this to stay afloat, sure. like spiritually, emotionally kind of a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, just luckily, you know, I'm very grateful that I had the resources to, to turn it into something. Um, and Pat put a ton of work into it, and he was super, super helpful because I was experiencing a lot of like getting furloughed and not having any work and there was, you know, no work at that time. And yeah, he was just like, well, let's work on it, you know, cause he was into it and we'll, we'll figure out studio stuff and whatever later. So yeah, it was grateful that I had that kind of a thing to work on. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Keep you a so, little bit sane. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird, uh, it's a weird time now to think back on. Right. 
you know, and I know you've also worked on a bunch of music mm -hmm. in this kind of like isolated sort of whatever this era that we live in yeah. is now. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a good thing to have something to focus on and something to create something to obsess about. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what this record was. But yeah, I mean, getting to your original question, I wrote everything on my own. So I basically my writing process was write scratch guitar tracks to a click um, at home. I'd write two, two guitar parts for every song because there's a lot of broken up like chord voicings and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of something like we were talking about with enslaved stuff that kind of catches my ear when bands do. So that was a big component was making some interesting sounding guitar work for black metal stuff. Um, and then I'd send those songs to Pat and he would put a drum part over it. And then I would write, bass and vocal parts to that and then we would adjust as needed and then yeah then we ended up with a full demo record and then we recorded everything at pat's studio basically i i tracked a couple of things in my rehearsal space and, and some other stuff but nice yeah and then you had a record yeah, and then we had a record and then then there's the whole the whole scenario of trying to figure out how to release a yeah, record. Yeah, <laughs> that's always, always interesting and complicated. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've talked about that yep. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, profound lore. I mean, that's pretty rad. That's uh, that, that's a score. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's, we're very lucky that that lined up. Um, Jessica from Wormore Boros was kind enough to to shoot my name over to Chris from profound lore. So I was hitting up different people to be like, you know, do you have a contact here? Cause sometimes it's hard just to even find contact info for labels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so Jessica was really nice and sent a personalized email to Chris and he, he was receptive to it and, um, yeah, everything ended up eventually kind of falling into place and, yeah, now we have a record. That's awesome. Jessica is one of my favorite people on the planet. She yeah, is, she's she's amazing. She's so nice. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's she and I have been close friends for quite some time now. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, well, kudos to Jessica. That's awesome that you were able to nail that. And you said it's yeah, coming absolutely. out on Friday, or the twenty second. Yeah, I think yeah, twenty second is the the official release date. Mm -hmm. So all the streaming stuff will get updated with a full, with the full album. And then, uh, like CDs are already shipping okay. to people who pre-ordered stuff. And then the vinyl is sort of, we'll see how, we'll see how backed up it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But there are, there are a couple other things lined up so there's going to be a limited booklet 
kind of like a like a zine booklet type thing okay of like photography and extra writing that i worked on that's kind of parallel to the record so that's getting that's on the like the print order for the vinyl okay yep um i don't know how many are getting done but we'll probably eventually do a second edition that's a little expanded Mm -hmm. so if we ever tour or play shows in whenever that becomes viable again yeah hopefully we'll have we'll have some of that stuff and then there will be a limited amount of that through profound lore hopefully with the vinyl stuff yeah and there should be like a limited long sleeve print run through profound lore also nice yeah that's amazing yeah so and i'm also really lucky that dan from oculus is an awesome designer yes he is he hooked us up yeah so we used him for our stuff for project you and i have and he did all the layouts for feral season stuff and helped us he designed the the long sleeve that we'll have up soon that's great so yeah shout out to dan also for being awesome yeah yeah that's awesome so uh what's what's the title of the record the title of the record is rotting body in the range of light awesome which is yeah i dig it kind of kind of dense i think i like i don't know i like it when it's dense yeah hopefully it's like you know, I try to not be too, too, I don't know. I don't even know what I would say, but I like when records have an element that you can, you can unpack for a long time, I guess. Yeah. Something you can so, ponder. Yeah. And then also for myself to, to add stuff in there that's not totally obvious mm-hmm. on my own, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of the record deals with, uh, landscapes in the sierras mm-hmm. and that that influence of that combined with black metal for me as somebody who spent a lot of time in those places yep so yeah try to try to get into that zone a little bit too totally that makes sense yeah bringing black metal to it, america and the landscapes yeah. they're in yeah yeah i actually am completing a an interview for this small not small, a newer zine called Becoming the Forest. Okay. That um, is, as far as I understand, run by a woman named Una that's Norwegian. Um, so I've been typing out some responses for that in terms of feral season stuff. So that zine and interview i think it is going to be out early next year in the winter um but that's a cool a cool publication if you like that kind of yeah overlay of like black metal aesthetics and nature and ecology and um they bring a lot of interesting perspectives into that realm sure yeah that's awesome that's it yeah I'll have to I'll have to look that up. I'm I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's um it's it's an interesting crossover of they'll have they'll have like literally ecology on there. Mm-hmm. Like they'll have interviews with 
scientists and things about, you know, like Norwegian spruce trees or something sure, like that. Sure, yeah. Um, and then they'll have interviews with bands and um, just the perspective of that is pretty cool and I enjoy that crossover, so. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, a, a, cool that's a really cool and uh, apt coupling. Yeah. Well, should we listen to a Frail Season track? Yeah, let me. Let's do it. I mean, let's do that, and I'll I'll uh, say this is the first song on the record, um, and it's a single that's out right now called "Tied to the Sun." I love that title.
always so weird when you have stuff that's so specific to you and then people listen to it and just have such a huge range of reactions and different yeah. things they find in it. Oh man, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's I'm, for I'm, sure. I know you know. Yeah. No, it's fascinating because I feel like sometimes people are like, oh man, this is enslaved. And you're like, yep, you got me. And other times people are like, oh, this is Opeth. And you're like, no. <laughs> Right. No, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I find it fascinating what people hear in the music that you do. Yeah, I love it, though. It's great. It's, I just love it when people are like so definitive, like, you definitely were influenced by this. You're like, right. actually, I've never even heard that thing that you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely hearing some Enslaved on this track. It's funny, though, because I don't know if it's just because you mentioned it or because it really does sound like Enslaved, but I'm definitely hearing it more now than I did when I listened to it before. Yeah, it's an interesting... You're like, would you have come to that conclusion on your own? or? I don't think I would have, but... There's not a lot of U.S. bands that have that sound. No, not at all. I'm looking at the cover right now. It's a really cool cover, too. Is that a photo yeah, that you took? It's hard to tell. That is actually a historic photo okay. that I took from our archives. Which we could talk about if you want. Yeah. Is it of the Sierra Nevadas, I assume? Yeah, it's a specific um, spot that... Uh, basically like on the headwaters of the Yuba River mm -hmm. which goes through like Grass Valley Nevada City area a lot of folks are in the Bay Area go up there just a really special spot <clears throat> but I was spending a lot of time um, working with a friend when I was furloughed on his property up there so when I was writing this I was up in that area a lot I feel like so. you were showing me a lot of photos when you're up there. And yeah, we've been talking about trying to set up some shows, some outdoor shows up there. Mm -hmm. I was talking to Aaron from Wolves about trying to get them to come down. Yeah, but it's it would be awesome, but there I'm sure their guarantee is substantial. Yep, I would imagine so. Yeah, I think, I think we're gonna do something more informal to to start. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I want to get you up to Litha again. We're uh, we're doing 2022 for sure. Oh, sweet. So. Okay, that's that's the end of that track. Cool. Yeah, that one ends with that kind of acoustic part. Yeah, I dig it. I mean, I'm definitely hearing the enslaved in there. Um, but again, I'm not sure I would have pegged it if you hadn't mentioned it. Um, but production's fantastic. Love the songwriting. The vocals are killer. Um, I'm really impressed, man. It's fantastic stuff. Uh, kudos to you. It's thanks. It's incredible that you can just sit down and create something like that. I mean, obviously you had help, but you know, the fact that you wrote that record yourself is is pretty astounding, really. Um, yeah, it's it's really really good work, and I'm I'm happy it's coming out on Profound Lore. Get some good distribution and PR behind it and all that. I think it's going to be really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, um, it's, it's a great record. 
yeah, and I mean that a lot of that is is from Pat. He's a really good person to bounce ideas off of, and mm-hmm. he added all the synth layers and did all the drums and all the production stuff. And yeah, it's definitely helpful because we can kind of fixate on those those things. I think a lot of people who like extreme metal records are really the literacy and in terms of like production sound is pretty high. Yeah, I think it really is. People who listen to metal, yeah, people have really well-defined ears for how records sound. Yes, um, and that's something I like. You know, as somebody who listens to records like this, when that stuff is good and intentional and hopefully fits the music. Yeah. And it can be so much of it can be subjective and up to personal taste, but it also, it can be used so much as a tool or, you know, another instrument, you know, people always say, Oh, nothing's madrigal. Like the production is another instrument. And I, I do agree with that, you know, and I think that, um, it can be used for good or for bad. Um, and this production sounds like it's very, uh, very appropriate for the songwriting and the craftsmanship. Um, it's clear, but it's not, you know, crystal. It's like there's still like a girthiness to it. There's still a wall of sound going on. Um, but you can still, you know, you can pick out the instruments. It's not like the vocals are buried, but they're not, you know, totally on top either. Um, yeah, it was really well done. Awesome. But yeah, that's that's awesome feedback. You definitely put a good amount of time in to try to get strike the right balance. It's difficult. It's really difficult. Um you know, depending on what you're trying to do. But was I hearing some clean tone guitars in there too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The end of that song is like a, it's the clean guitars I tracked on my own. Um, I was able to borrow a high watt from a a friend, Mm. which was awesome. Nice. So that's that. And then some acoustic guitar that I recorded at Pat's studio mm-hmm. kind of doubled up and some synth layers that he added to that stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned the, uh, the old photograph. So that, that was taken in this year in Nevada's and how'd you come yeah. across that? Yeah. So, so we were talking about the, the record cover is, um, it's an archival tin type photograph. Mm-hmm of the, it's basically like the Sierra Buttes area, which is, so if you're familiar with California, it's basically the northern end of the Sierras. Um, okay. As like a, so it's north of Lake Tahoe. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that kind of forms the, the Yuba River headwaters. So I know a lot of California people, especially Bay Area folks, pretty familiar with the Yuba. It's a it's a popular spot to go to and it's awesome and beautiful and super rad. But the photo is up up basically at the crest of the Sierras. I wanna say it's from the eighteen seventies. Um yeah, a photo I found in an archive and that's awesome. It, you know, it's just one of those things I found it pretty early on and it just sort of fit and yeah. We kind of designed the the rest of the stuff to fit that that record cover and it seemed to work out mm-hmm. is there a a meaning behind feral season behind the name yeah 
Yeah, so the in the um, if you have the CD or the record printed in the liner notes, there's a, a quote that was kind of like the one of the the main references I had when I started trying to figure out what the right the right direction to go t- into was for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's from, what is it there? It's from this myth. I can, I can type it out later, but it's from pre Arthurian legend. I think the guy's name is Jeffrey of like Jeffrey of Monmouth or something like okay. that. Um, so it's like, it's like 1300s pre Arthurian, um, story that is the story of Merlin. Okay. But it's mm-hmm. a it's a a story I'd never heard that somehow I came across right as I started working on this stuff and it describes Merlin's story is like he witnesses this battle that's horrific. It's basically like two brothers go to battle and everyone almost everyone dies just like people killing each other in terms of like political conflict. And in his role in society, he is kind of between the two factions and it basically makes him completely, completely overwhelmed with grief. And he experiences this state of insanity and he just in the, in the story, he just, goes into the woods like so he has this important role in society as a seer but he experiences grief stricken insanity and lives at that time would be the wilderness you know because the uk is pretty unpopulated Mm -hmm. compared to now so in that storyline he flees the human world because he's just literally driven into madness by grief. So that's, that was kind of a foundational thing for where a lot of the lyrics and aesthetic kind of came from really helped during quarantine to have that kind of like metaphorical space to go into. Yeah. So that was kind of like, I guess my personal space with the music, but also trying to make it so that's something that people would have access to. Yeah. Um, so that that quote that kind of summarizes that stuff is in in the lyric booklet. Um, so that's kind of the the foundational aesthetic for for this record, at least. And then it's kind of mixed up with the physical location stuff like we mm-hmm. talked about a little bit earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the name kind of comes out of that. Like it's this season of literally losing your mind and just being, you know, whatever, whatever that state is. Yeah. That you're psych- psychologically transformed. Awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. That's evocative too. 
It's a it's, yeah. It's a very striking name. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Naming a project is is oh. sometimes harder than writing a record. It's it's the hardest part, I think, and I always second guess myself. And yeah, it's 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 really difficult for me. Um, yeah. I mean, especially you know. 2021 like coming up with band names at this point it's like you almost have to make up a word or something you know to do it yeah i i think that's what aesop does he does that's <laughs> he told me he told me that yeah that's how he came up with vol strategies just just make up words i mean karate was made up vol was made up like just yeah make up shit <laughs> yeah and it works there's like some sort of weird sub linguistic mm -hmm. association you have to it yeah well karate was kind of a mix between a couple of different things but he told me vol was just like he was just writing shit on paper and he was like this looks cool like a v and an o and an h and an l like yeah this is cool let's use this mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's really hard these days i can't imagine like in 20 years people just be having new bands named slayer and shit i don't know yeah, right. People will forget. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, there was a Nirvana like in the sex in the sixties, I think, fifties or sixties. I mean, it's it's bound to happen at some point. But uh, yeah, right. Anyway, my point being is, I, I like the name. It's it's striking. It's evocative. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm I, I'm glad to hear that. I've always liked that word feral too. Yeah, yeah. And if we want to, we can listen to uh, another song. Yeah, let's listen to another one. So there's this second single that's out right now is called Seized in Emerald Grief. Okay, great. And that was kind of one of those lyrical things that came out of that idea that I was just talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's so, check that out. Yeah, let's listen to that. So it's interesting, this first part was kind of like a... I was listening to... Stay in Mysterious a lot. Oh, I can kind of hear that. Yeah. And that bass line. Yeah, bass line's There's killer. There's a, a specific song on that record that has a bass line that sticks out like that. Mm -hmm. Almost like a walking yeah. bass line. Man, I love like walking bass lines and black metal like this. It just, it hits me just right. Yeah, and then when you play it live, it just sounds fucking massive. Yeah. Because the guitars are all slotted with the drums and mm -hmm. the bass is just blasting you. Man, I, I know people hate on De Mysterious quite a bit, but I think it's a fucking phenomenal record. I, I think it's like top five yeah. black on records. It's it's still every so every time unique. I listen to it it's it's so good. Yeah. It's so unique. I mean, and it, Attila just brings it on that record. I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think it's hard because it's kind of like, sort of like when people talk about the Beatles, you're like, yeah. how many people fucking talked about the Beatles? Exactly. But you're like, oh, it's because they're like a groundbreaking band. Mm -hmm. Like yep. that record is just timeless. Like Day Mysterious is just yeah. so good. Yeah. It will never it be me a long by time and dust. Uh, it took me a long time to get into it, but it's like yeah, same. When it clicked, it's just I can listen to it like endlessly, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it took me quite a while. Um, 
the vocals just didn't hit me right away. It's just so different than what I was used to. Yeah, same. Yeah, I can I can hear a little bit of that in this track. Yeah, and I try to make sure that the songs aren't too repetitive in terms of that kind of reference, mm -hmm. which I think worked out okay. That guitar tone is killer. Yeah, it came out good. Your bass tone too is really great. What kind of bass are you playing? Yeah, I use my girlfriend's old Ibanez sound gear bass. Okay. And then, so I tracked that at home and we reamped it um, through. I think Pat put it through a SVT. And maybe it's just SVT. Okay. I remember. And like a drive pedal. Yeah.
That's cool. I love the um, the synth work at the end there too. Yeah, yeah, that's all Pat. Um, it's and nice to have somebody with a different ear. That's always so helpful, and that's uh, yeah. obviously some kind of sample there. Yeah, the sample is uh, this poet Robinson Jeffers, who is actually from the well. I don't know where he was born, but he lived for a really long time on the coast south of San Francisco, mm. kind of um, south of Monterey. Okay. He moved there in the early, earlier 1900s, I want to say, pre-World War II, and so it was pretty, pretty unpopulated, um, kind of like early California bohemian Mm -hmm. people. Um, but he, uh, it's actually interesting. If you ever drive down highway one, you can go to tour his house in Carmel. He built the house and this tower next to the house out of granite that he quarried out of the sea cliff. Oh, wow. Like below, Mm-hmm. below the house um and he built this tower that he would write in that's based off of like an irish uh tower because his wife was really into yates and yates was all about writing about towers in ireland and all this kind of shit but um but yeah he's a that's his voice that's him reading a poem of his um and a lot of his his writing has to do with that landscape kind of right north of Big Sur on the coast. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It works really well right yeah. there too. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of had some hesitations about I always associate samples and heavy music with neurosis or yeah. some of that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. not necessarily black metal, but with the synth and all the different things going on, it seemed to, seem to work. Yeah. I think it works great. It, it sounds really nice. Um, nice segue out of that last riff too. Yeah. You get, it's a little, it's a little whirlwind. At yeah. The end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that bass tone is killer. Uh, the bass line's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's really good. That's a, that's a, another great song. Um, cool. what do you have in mind for feral season next? Do you have any plans or? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, I've already started working on more material. Um, I'm pretty busy personally at the moment, but mm-hmm. um, like we've talked about, um, I, I had a lot of momentum when we finished tracking, so I just started writing. So um, got a lot of stuff lined up, and I'm trying to use my extra time to refine it and make hopefully another record's worth of stuff that's a little more intricate and um, 
builds on this stuff yeah in in an interesting way hopefully yeah um, and isn't just like similar things for a whole another record sure yeah um i do have two other people lined up to hopefully f- fill out a live lineup nice um pat and i are both super busy for different reasons sure yeah um so hopefully we can next year at least play a show or two, mm-hmm. which would be nice. Um, yeah, it'd be great. Oculus has, a, Oculus has a show next week, which is the first All time. Right. Wow. It's the first show I've had since we played together at, um, oh, at, at, a, at the venue in Portland. At, a, at Azoth. At Azoth, yeah. Really? That's the last. That's the last show. Oh wait, that's not. That's not true. Oculus played like two shows. I think we played in San Jose, and then we played with Fister in Sacramento. Okay. But yeah, that's the last time we. That was the last time I played out of town, um, on tour. So. And those other those other shows were basically like a week or two after. Yeah. So like late 2019. Yeah. 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 So, so it's like just exactly two years ago. Okay. A little over. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last show I played was with Thief and Eugene, and that was February 2020. So not quite two yeah. years, but coming feels up quickly. Like ages ago. It feels like a really long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was cool when uh, Oculus played in in Portland um, at Azoth. Then uh, we did like a little, I don't know what, what you'd call it, a little improv set beforehand. Um, yeah, it was kind of like a drone. Yeah, drone uh, type of. Drone electronics. Yeah. Vocals. Yeah, that was really cool. It was, it was fun for me. Yes. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, it was a blast. Um, yeah, it was, it's just, it's so fun to just get up there and just kind of do something mostly improv. You don't really know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. I mean, you and I barely even knew each other at the time. <laughs> so that is true. Yeah. Yeah. If, if anyone, I guess that's listening is curious. We, when, when Oculus was on tour, we played, Jason played, the Portland show we did, we did a collaboration, I guess. Yeah. So Dan, Dan from Oculus had a synth set up. I just ran vocals in some loops, and then you had your noise electronics kind of set up. Yeah, I had my my like my solo set up basically. Yeah, yeah, it was super cool. There's there is video of it online. There is, um, yeah. Blue Heron has a. Mm-hmm. YouTube sets for for us and the collaboration and Glacial Fall. Yep. Also played. Yeah, yeah. I think if you look up Blue Heron on YouTube, you can you can see all that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was Kudo, that was really fun. To her too for filming oh, yeah. all those shows. That was amazing. And then it was only a couple months before that that uh, when we first met at Litha, Litha mm-hmm. Cascadia. Um, Oculus played. Um, I think 
I think Church played that. Yeah, sorry, you're right. Yep. Auckland was supposed to play last year. Yeah, yes, we that's right. Come back up. That's why I get, That's why I got it mixed up. Yeah, Church played. Yeah, um, but then we booked Auckland, but then obviously the world went on pause for a while. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we had a we had a great show. It was it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, and then yeah, last year, Auckland was going to play, and Sleep Chains was going to play too, which is. Yeah. For the unaware, that's the project that uh, that Carl and I have together. Um, we have one single out as of quite a long time ago, um, <laughs> but uh, one of these days we'll get around to to making more. We're gonna make a full length at some point. Um, yeah. But it's there's a Bandcamp page for it. Uh, just look up Sleep Chains. Um, that was kind of born out of just wanting to create something together and Carl you had some kind of basic stuff going and it kind of reminds me of uh, almost more even more electronic droney godflesh type of thing spacey kind <laughs> yeah. of for uh, lack of a better term yeah I mean I think well I mean when we did that set together at Azoth we were kind of like oh that was you know that mm-hmm. was interesting um, I had a kind of death industrial yeah. project in mind, um, centered around some specific experiences that I think would fit into that realm. So, and I think that's another subgenre that has a lot of unexplored space in it. Yeah, I agree. And you're right, death industrial, you know, I keep, I keep forgetting about that, but really, I mean, there's a lot of death industrial in the stuff that we've worked on. Um, I keep describing it as God flesh. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, death industrial is more appropriate actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited, well, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to make more. I mean, we have the one song out, but we had some really solid ideas going there for a while, but then I got really busy with a few other records um, yeah we we both got sidetracked yeah but there's a good foundation and yeah we were supposed to get set up to do some live stuff last mm-hmm. year and yep um hopefully the world will reconvene in some way that we can complete that in the next year or two yeah I, I mean, it was just and, it was so funny i mean we got confirmed for litha and then we got even announced for northwest terror fest mm-hmm. and then it was like a couple days later <laughs> yeah yeah back when you thought you were like all right hopefully we can still play a show in june yeah i remember thinking like, oh a couple months things will be normal yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's everything is altered pretty significantly. Yeah. Quite but significantly. I think we are both back in a space where we can work on mm-hmm. some new music together. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm uh I had this last year I just I had so many records, so many things I had to tie up and uh I've got most of those tied up just get a couple loose ends here and there and then I can delve back into that. Um, and then some other things, of course, 
but uh, well, I think that we work well together because we both basically just don't stop working on music shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, yeah, I haven't worked on sleep chains in quite some time, but uh, I'm working on something else every you day. You have like you have like three records that are either out or coming out. Yeah, I have. Uh, I've had two come out this year so far. I have another one for sure coming out and then some, uh, some other stuff that's not even announced yet. Yeah. And then an EP, another EP coming out this fall, I think. Yeah. It's just a lot of stuff in the works all the time. And then I started a t-shirt company and I've got the podcast and yeah, the studio yeah, and, like, all that and stuff. a family and job and, family and a job and yeah yeah all that kudos stuff. to you to doing like a million things sometimes it's way too much and sometimes i feel like i could do more you know yeah <laughs> i just i just love it i love it i mean this is just it's who i am so i'm just delving yeah. in um so it's yeah i i totally love it um you we we touched on oculith getting back to you for a moment um we right. touched on oculith for a little bit so you already established that's that's doom metal. Um, is that like, is there? I don't want to say a blueprint, but are there certain bands that you would be looking towards as inspiration for Oculus? Uh, yeah, that's a. It's interesting because I joined that band because I was playing with Philip, who is a guitar player, who was at our show in Portland. Um, he's, he was playing drums, I think, when we played at Azov because Pat couldn't do that tour. Philip, Philip wrote a lot of the initial full-length stuff. Um, he had a pretty specific um, framework that he was trying to explore. And him and I, he he filled in on bass for on a couple of church tours. So when church played, we did that Asip King and Yob tour. Mm-hmm. Philip had filled in, and him and I had a side project. It was kind of like a like a black death metal type of thing. So we had been playing together, and then um, Oculus was looking for another person to do vocals. So I was like, oh, that's something I've been wanting to work on more. So I kind of just hopped in. Um, so I didn't really, on that on that record that's up, um, I didn't write any of the instrumental stuff mm-hmm. at all, um, which was cool and different for me yeah. because I'm primarily a guitar player. Uh, but I like writing lyrics and writing in general so it was you know i'd heard some of those songs before i started writing lyrics and doing vocals to them which was interesting and i think positive so i kind of had some framework for how the those songs flowed before doing vocals to them but i didn't structure or write any guitar riffs or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just try to, I kind of think of that band as like slow 
Morbid Angel, which is maybe okay. a weird, interesting, yeah, <laughs> maybe a weird reference. But I I saw them. I saw right before I started playing with those guys, I saw them play instrumentally new songs that are on on the record that's up right now mm-hmm. uh, with no with no vocalist, and I was like, oh, this reminds me of like slow morbid angel riffs <laughs> that's interesting okay. which is like you know it's kind of like we were you and i were talking about earlier like it's kind of weird what people hear out of your music right you know that's that was like something i latched on to so um there's definitely a, a death doom kind of vibe going yeah. on that band more than say like church is definitely more straight doom, doom in yeah. a lot of ways um so yeah I, I don't have a specific reference but um i i kind of frame that band in more more of the death metal camp okay um, yeah which is you know and for me my my vocal register for that band is like pretty death metal-y mm-hmm. i guess so yeah we can if you want to listen to uh, yeah a track we can Let's do that. Do it. We can listen to the second track. So we have one album, one full-length album out. Mm-hmm. There are CDs through Total Death, which is the uh, the imprint of Total Death over Mexico Festival. So they they released our record on like a digipack CD. So they they started releasing music. So if you want CDs, Total Death has cds and um seeing red records has vinyl i don't think that much actually left but there are lps of gates doorways and endings is the name of the album and we can listen to the second track which is called a pit of severed hands cool let's listen to it yeah
Yeah, 11 minutes. Um, all the songs are pretty long. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, I'm looking at that now. 10, 11, um, 10, 10, 13. Yeah. Doom. It's pretty doomy. It's a little a little busier than other types of doom, but yeah, I mean you're you're totally right. Doom death is a good description for this. Yeah, I think that's something we're gonna try to lean into a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah, I've listened to this record before, but it's been quite some time. Yeah, the the colored vinyl for it came out pretty cool. Like a weird like green splatter type thing. Okay, that's the, cool. The layout that Dan did looked really good with it. Mm -hmm. title gates doorways and endings um that so philip made that title um he had a lot of the song titles already set up okay um so that is also the name of the third song right on the record um but i wrote all the lyrics to songs uh, so you had like kind of like the, a framework to work within. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of nice actually for me. I I kind of like fitting into the aesthetics of different type. I mean, you know, I I think because you and I both listen to so much different stuff. Like, yeah, that's kind of a a nice thing for me to sure. bounce around because I have such a wide interest in different genres and shit. Mm -hmm. Um, so we had that kind of working title and I wrote all the lyrics and the lyrics all kind of uh, have to do with ghosts and haunting in different ways. Okay. Um, the fourth track, Suspended Crossing, that's, that's the one track that I, um, that title is mine that's from the lyrics the other titles are partially pulled from 
Um, I forget what you call them, but they're like... They're supposed to be like recordings of disembodied like ghost voices. Oh, like... Uh, I forget what the, the word is. For I want to call them EMTs. <laughs> Uh, I, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, EMT. It's, uh, is, that, is that an emergency responder? Yeah, not EMTs. Uh, it's like something very similar. Yes. So he had a website that he was pulling. Some some of these song titles are like, um, I was seeing the war is like one of those things that was recorded. That's supposed to be like a a spectral voice. Okay. Inside of a house that was recorded, um, and that's like one of the things it was supposed to be saying. But that was it. Like I recorded, I I wrote all the lyrics like backwards from that, trying to imagine what that disembodied voice okay. was. Okay. Yeah. So each song has kind of a different voice, which was which was cool for me, like um, to get to kind of. I like that is like a writing thing. Right. It's not too it's not too like narrow. So this song that we're listening to I wrote these lyrics are kind of uh, ritualistic. Um they're like disembodied voices of people who are doing this ritual to a goddess about basically the failure of humanity which is pretty it's pretty fucked up I guess when I talk about it out loud <laughs> yeah um, not a lot of people know this about me but I am like totally beyond terrified of ghosts and spirits um something about it i don't know but like it if i think about it too much i actually can't sleep um it's like this weird weird thing with me i don't know if something happened when i was little that makes me just terrified but like nothing nothing really scares me as far as like movies or anything like that goes but like i can't watch anything to do with like paranormal activity or anything like that I just it's just too much well that's a pretty strong theme on this record yeah I don't know if I can listen to this record anymore (laughs) (laughs) that's like what this uh, this last like kind of choral repeating incantation is kind of like okay maybe you have maybe you have like an epigenetic kind of I don't, background experience I don't, yeah I don't know when I, to that. when I was little um, I, I have vivid memories of the ceiling talking to me but it was probably just a dream you know um, but I have like, these vivid memories of these things that could be considered like spirits or something I don't really know but um, yeah to this day it's like I can't read a book about it. I can't hear a story about it. Like it'll, if it's done just believable enough, it'll literally keep me up for like weeks. So yeah, I can't, Uh, I can't explain it. Yeah. (laughs) 
Are you done with listening to that track? Yeah, I just finished. Okay. So I, I Googled it. It's EVP. EVP. Electronic so Voice Phenomena. A bunch of those song titles on that record are from a website of somebody, somebody's aggregate of okay. EVP recordings. That's really cool. That's terrifying, but really cool. Um, <laughs> so, like, uh, I was seeing The War. Mm-hmm. If you Google that, I was seeing the war EVP. There should be a website that comes up with a recording that references that. But what I attempted to do with the lyrics is to sort of backwards design a kind of narrative or... Uh, oh, yeah, I see. Or vo- vocalization of, of that. Someone yeah. who's trapped trapped in limbo, basically. Mm-hmm. A consciousness that's kind of in that state. Which is, I mean, that sounds super fucking esoteric, but um, I think if you, if you sort of like what, whatever you, your input is kind of puts you in a certain stance. Yeah. Um, for this band, I specifically, I, re- I like to read Clark Ashton Smith a lot um, when I'm writing lyrics. I don't know if you've ever read him at all. No, I've I've heard the name, but I don't know who that is. I've never read him. It's interesting because he's um, he's basically like H.P. Lovecraft. Okay. But he is from the town where I grew up here mm-hmm. in California. He's from a small town called Auburn that was much, much smaller than he lived there. Like, literally, like, a leftover gold mining town. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, and he just, like, lived there in the early 1900s and wrote this super fucking weird horror, like, pulp fiction. And he, he was... He corresponded directly with Lovecraft consistently um, to where he's kind of considered an equivalent mm-hmm. or like parallel to Lovecraft. They, they have like intersecting mythos type of thing going on. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy it. It's, it's weird because he's like, I remember going to the library in Auburn as a kid and being, there's like a, pretty sure there's like a Clark Ashton Smith like a uh, plaque or like yeah. something like that at the public library yeah. or being like seeing that and being like, I don't know who that is. And then as an adult reading this like very, very weird esoteric, like horror literature, basically be like this person <laughs> is from here. Like it's su- yeah. super fucking weird, like circling back onto your own life kind of scenario. Sure. Yeah. Um, but his writing's really cool, and if you haven't, if you like that kind of stuff, and you haven't read it, he's a great person to check out. Yeah, you know, now, now that I think about it, um, I think I do know, know that name because he. Do you know that record label, Cadabra Records? Not, not by name. They they specialize. They do these like amazing um, vinyl releases of 
of different books and poetry, but, um, you know, but read out loud and they did oh, cool. some Clark Ashton Smith stuff. Just so, cadaver yeah, spelled normally? Uh, yeah, cadabra, like abracadabra. Oh, cadabra. I think yeah. it's cadaver. Yeah, cadabra. Um, they, they've done a ton of Lovecraft stuff. They've done... Um, a lot of Poe stuff, and it come they come in these like deluxe boxes and gatefold LPs, and they get voice actors, and it's like an all-out production. They're gorgeous things, but they they definitely did at least one Clark Ashton Smith thing. That's very cool. I'll, I will definitely yeah check, check that it out. out. Yeah, they're really cool. There reminds me the samples that I had when we did that collaboration set at Azoth. Mm-hmm were pulled from a Clark Ashton oh, really? story. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'll send you those those clips again. Yeah, yeah. But he, he's like, um, his writing is very embellished. Um, so I find it fits the style of this band pretty yeah. pretty well as, as a reference. That's really cool. I had no idea about all the uh, supernatural stuff around Auklith. Yeah, that's kind of the... Uh, the the aesthetic at least for that record for sure we started we've started working on some new stuff that's um i think that that theme will stay but it's gonna take maybe a different form right yeah yeah i like it that it doesn't beat you over the head like the cover is not like a ghost or some kind of spirit or something like that like you would never really know that um from looking at the cover or the song titles or anything like that. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe it's even too, too withheld. Maybe, but, but I don't know. I mean, I dig that kinda, though. Yeah. It's cool. I, it's, I mean, that's something I like when I hear bands or find out those, those weird, like, fuck. I mean, even listening to like, I'll listen to an interview with Steve on till, where he talks about going into the San Jose State Library and pulling like uh, a bunch of those sound clips that they use for neurosis shit, mm-hmm. just pulled from like the weird sound library that he had access to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love um, stories like that. Yeah, or I mean the same thing like listening to those records and being like, "Oh, this is a Joseph Campbell quote." It's like, I don't know who the fuck Joseph Campbell is. You're listening to Olver and you're like, I don't know. That's like why I started reading poetry is because I was listening to Olver. Yeah. We're like, oh, we should read William Blake. William Blake, of course. And then you read William Blake. Yeah. It's it's pretty incredible. Olver makes a double LP about William Blake and metalheads all over the world are like, okay, I got to check out this William Blake guy. (laughs) It's fucking crazy. Yeah. I mean, really, when you think about that, like, that band is has a an immense influence on people. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my god. I mean Yeah, a huge huge influence. Um I remember when when um when Kveldsanger came out, everybody was like, "Oh shit, like what did Oliver do?" you know? And then Nottens comes out and everybody's like, "Oh shit, what did Oliver do?" And then Perdition City comes out. It's like it was just like always this thing. But like every time it was like six months of people being like, like, God, what did they do? This is fucking shitty. And then, you know, six months down the road, 
it's like, oh man, like this is phenomenal. And I remember like Perdition City coming out and then like all sorts of metalheads were like, oh, I started listening to techno and I started listening to like all these other like, like electronic genres just because Oliver showed them the way. Yeah. I mean, I remember reading when there wasn't much else writing on that time, reading Lords of Chaos when it was new. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember reading there the bits that they were interviewed. You're like, oh, these guys are on, they're like, they're way, they're way beyond this, Mm -hmm. this frame of reference. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, even like as a, I don't know, I probably read that book when I was like 15. It was just interesting, even as like a teenager, you're like, oh, oh yeah, you should move past this, this like frame of mind. You know, they're such a good, such a good, I don't even know what I would say. Like, I don't even know if I really even like what Olver has turned into now, but at such an immense example of just, I think what black metal ethos talks about being a lot of the times. Yes. Uh huh. They actually are. Yeah. Like, no, I agree. Like, li- that's, like, it's a good point. Like fuck all of this. Yeah. It's, that's a really fantastic point. Um, and I agree with you. I, I, I can't stand their last few records, honestly. Um, I can't even listen to them, but I have many, many friends that I, that I totally respect and admire that absolutely love the last few records. It's just not what I want to hear from any band really. Um, but even that I res- I respect, you know, they're, they're doing what they want. They're not, they're not doing the same thing over and over and over again. Um, it's obviously well done. It's just not a style that I enjoy at all. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like like we talked about Enslaved earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, I would absolutely pay to go see Ulver, mm-hmm. and I would absolutely pay to go see Enslaved, but I wouldn't necessarily buy... Yeah. Yeah, I'm not following those bands super closely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, also, like, fuck, like, kudos to to being bands for like three decades seriously Jesus. you know like yeah that's that i mean that alone if you've never been in a band for more than 10 years like that's an that's an yeah. unbelievable accomplishment to yeah me. it is it's 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 crazy but i think it's also because they have changed so much that allows them to have that longevity um if you're I mean, I guess that's not always the case. I mean, look at ACDC. Um, but I think a lot of bands, they need that evolution or else they do just stagnate and get bored and then die. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the entombed yeah. trajectory almost, right? Like, yep. Like, yeah. How long can you... And death metal is a really interesting subgenre to look at that yeah because so death metal can be so restricting but can, but it, it can also be totally freeing to too metal. yeah yeah i mean it just depends on what you're talking about i mean i mean cynic is like at its heart a death metal band but 
I don't think the casual listener would necessarily describe them as a death metal band, you know? Um, yeah, definitely. And so, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's very contradictory, which is part of the reason I love death metal. Um, yeah, I consider Cannibal Corpse to be like, kind of like the staple, like the blueprint of, of, of death metal. Um, Speaking of, did you listen to the new Cannibal Corpse record? Or the, whatever the newest one is? I've listened to it so many times, it's a little bit disgusting. It's really good. It's so fucking good. Um, I, I, I think I, Chris, Chris sent it to me, Chris from church, the uh, other church guitar player. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, dude, I haven't listened to a Campbell Corpse record for for probably like 10 years. Yeah, yeah. And then I listened to it, and I was like, this is like super, super fucking good. It's so good. And it's I, really good. And if you play guitar and you like that kind of nerdy death metal shit, uh, there's a really sick video of Eric Rutan yeah. like playing through yeah. one of those songs. I saw that. And it, yeah, it made me, it made me, pretty stoked on, on death metal again. Uh, yeah, that record, Cannibal has always been pretty solid for me, but I also feel like the last decade or so it's been kind of that's another cannibal record this record just it just totally knocked me over i was not ready for how much i loved it i've listened to it so many times um i really feel like rutan just brought this new life to it i mean he's a killer guitar player yeah and having him produce it and play on it just just gave it a, a fresh new life i'm really excited to see them live again um, yeah, I mean, I, the thing that I think about in terms of like, like those bands, that's like a band that found, it's like a foundational band for American death metal. Totally. And that you can in 2020 release a record mm -hmm. that gets people who have been listening to death metal for yeah. like 30 fucking years. Yep. That excited again. That's that's how it was for one me. Of the most, it's so hopeful. Yeah, to me. that's part of the reason I love it so much. Is is uh, I mean I've been listening to death metal since '88, something like that. Yeah. Um. So it's been a while, <laughs> and I don't want to say I'm jaded, but I've I've heard a lot of death metal in my time. So you know, bands that have been doing it for thirty years or new bands, like there has to be something that I haven't really experienced before or has to be done so well um, to make me take notice. And the cannibal just, I don't know, man. It's just, it's so catchy. And I have to admit, Cor Corpse Grinder is not my favorite death metal vocalist. He's great, and he's good. Yeah. It's just, he, he never really grabbed me. But on this record, he sounds just fucking vicious. And the I think... One thing I noticed with that is the the phrasing of the vocals rhythmically works super good yeah. because the, the riffs are way catchier. Yeah. So like everything is rhythmically like yeah. way better like slotted together. Yeah. And I've gotten a lot of flack for saying this in the past, but I I honestly believe that when you've got a really good catchy death metal record, it's almost like listening to a hip hop record. It's so I rhythmic. Think, I don't think that's wrong at all. It, I, I 
totally agree with you. Yeah, I mean, you listen to the way that Corpse Grinder punctuates the the rhythms, um, especially on this new record. A lot of it is almost like hip hop, and that's when I'm not gonna say it's like my favorite type of death metal, but that's like when I get like a big smile on my face when it's just like this is heavy as fuck and just groovy and like rhythmic and. I mean, Corpse Grinder is basically rapping on some of these parts. And I mean that in the most, the best way possible. Um, and I think it's, I think it's, I mean, it's not Butcher to Birth. It's not Tomb of the Mutilated. It's close, though. And that's, I think that's I think, saying a lot. I think it's impressive that you can make a record that compares to those records <sighs> yeah. in this fucking time period. Well, and like, like that, like, and like you said, like 30 years later, I mean, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um, Alex and I have become, fr- have become friends over the last five or six years. He moved to Portland. Um, and so when the new cannibal came out, it was one of those things where like, I want to send him a text, you know, I'm like listen to the new cannibal. I want to send him a text and be like, Hey man, like cool record, good job, whatever. And, but I mean, halfway through the record, I texted him. I was like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> like, this is fucking amazing. Like, this is, what a great record. So I've been recommending it to everybody I know. Just like, I know you've written off Cannibal. I know you're tired of death metal. Give it a shot. Like, it's so well done. I I agree. That's like the exact place I was in with Cannibal Corpse. Yep. Especially because it's like, for me too, the aesthetic is so overblown. Yep. And yep. I'm like, it's so easy to discount it. Mm-hmm. It's so like easy. I like. Yep. I like Morbid Angel because there's just like the they have a very esoteric occult mm-hmm. aesthetic, and it's easier for me to make that transition. Yeah. I like re, you know like we we're talking about Clark Ashton Smith and Lovecraft and mm-hmm. that kind of shit. It's like yeah, that like fits my my like interest in reading and that kind of stuff but cannibal corpse is like i don't know like i don't care about yeah that kind of aesthetic like like fuck i could i don't even think about it if i don't listen to that kind of music i don't like i don't care yeah Mm -hmm. you listen to that record it's just it's just so solid it's it's hard to deny i think if you if you listen to it with an I don't even say open ear, but just like I don't even I don't even know. It's it's interesting because I think for me, death metal is not something where I will stick to the genre because I enjoy the genre like expressions, mm-hmm. right? You're like, I fucking love death metal. That's my thing. I love death metal, but it's like, if this doesn't interest me, I will will not go back to it. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Whereas with black metal, I often go back to things that I didn't like on first hearing because I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. Somebody recommended this to me or right. whatever reason. Well, black metal, I, I mean, black metal tends to be more nuanced and more layered, you know, of course that's a generalization, but, um, I feel like usually with black metal, there's more 
that comes with each listen. Usually death metal is just, it is what it is. It hits you over the head. It's readily apparent. Um, you know, there's, there's no deep diving into deicide. It's like, it's right there in front of you. Um, so, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. Um, but that's the type of music I tend to enjoy more too, is stuff that takes multiple listens to get into. But yeah, I don't know this new cannibal. Yeah. Well, in our conversation about black metal, we, we've now ended up spending 15 <laughs> minutes talking about how the new cannibal corpse record is. Yeah. It's not even that new at this point, right? It's like not really. I mean, well, probably like 18 months old. Is it? I'm not. I don't. I don't even remember. I don't know. We Time is Google so weird it. right now. Time uh, is very weird. It, in this era, it's new. Yeah, Absolutely. it is. Well, it's it is the new record. Yeah, it's the newest. Um, yeah, you know, I was I was raving to John and Don a little bit ago about the Cannibal, and then John told me the new Deicide is amazing too. I didn't even know that was banned anymore. I didn't either. Um, I haven't listened to it yet. But I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the new Carcass record, because Carcass for me is kind of like the be-all, end-all death metal band. Right. And um, I actually haven't listened to that record yet. Okay. I have seen so much about it because, of, you know. It's been, being, it's, it's been everywhere. It, it is literally everywhere. And they successfully made a album artwork that is both like a restatement and Mm -hmm. a play on and moving forward from their previous aesthetic. I love the album cover. I think it's brilliant. It's, it's interesting that you bring it up because I literally saw it like earlier today and I was like, I, I should listen to this. You should. I just haven't. I just haven't. You should. Um, it's for me. It's a little, a little disappointing because as much as I can drool over the new Cannibal, I can't do the same over the new Carcass. Even though I do love it, it's a great record. Um, it, it definitely has some missteps though for me. Um, but it's still great and it's super fun. It's super enjoyable. It's just got a few parts here and there that seem a little off-putting, a little cheesy. Um, yeah, I can see that. I mean, I think one of the things that's stuck out to me about the new Cannibal record is there's nothing disposable on it. No, and nothing. And that, as somebody who's tried to do that before with records, that's really, really fucking hard to it's do. It's really hard. It's incredible. Yeah. It's, and I can't even say like, oh, they played it safe. Like it's all like, it's all safe. It's not all safe. Like they're they're doing some new stuff there. It's not like. It's it's pretty modern. Yeah. I think. Yep. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of the song. I want to say it's like track three. It's called something Necrogenesis or something like that. But I believe I read that Alex wrote that one and it fascinates me because it, it to me, it, it stands out. Um, it's got some really, really crazy, interesting guitar work um, that just stood out for me for Cannibal. Um, but yeah, I believe that Alex wrote that one. But 
that one really stands out to me as just being uh, like one of my favorites. Uh, and just, it just, I mean, it sounds like cannibal, but you can tell like this is not standard cannibal and they're not playing it safe where carcass, yeah. like some of the carcass is really great. And some of it's just, it feels kind of bored, almost like they're bored with what they're doing and mm-hmm. cannibal. They do not, it does not feel bored whatsoever. I, I think that's a good parallel back to black metal stuff. Because I've seen those commentaries put back on to Mayhem. Because we're, you know, yeah. you mm-hmm. and I were talking about Day Mysterious, that second Feral Season track. Because I was talking about how, you know, I I think we both think of Day Mysterious as a pretty touchstone, mm-hmm. foundational, timeless black metal record, and it it gets it's praises and criticisms whether deserving or not all the time in either direction but it's kind of, you know it's it's a good parallel where you're like what is mayhem doing now like yeah do you you know i see mayhem and cannibal corpse is a pretty interesting compare contrast kind of mm-hmm. scenario yeah right they've been around for similar amounts of time yep they've gone through pretty infamous lineup changes mm-hmm. they've made similarly classic genre type records yep right you listen to i mean i like i like the last mayhem record basically more than anything they've done since day mysterious i haven't listened to it yet i i i think that it's pretty excellent I don't like the records that precede it that much. What's the um, newest one? Is that Demon, Damon, whatever it is? Damon, yeah. Yeah, okay. And there was a lot of criticism that it was like a day mysterious throwback. But I think if you listen to it as somebody who actually really likes that record, it doesn't exactly listen that way. Mm-hmm. There's definitely newer, like you were saying, like, it's not necessarily totally safe. Like artistically, there's some other stuff going on. Um, I think it may be a less so than the new Cannibal record, but yeah, um, yeah, it didn't. It's it sounds modern to me in a good way, not like a bullshit like we're trying to make money off record sales in Europe kind of way, right? Um, but yeah, I mean. I th- I think that record is worth going back to and yeah, yeah I don't know I I mean other than that it's kind of like I don't I don't I don't know a lot of other bands that have been around for that long that are still producing music that I'm actually legitimately interested in yeah I know yeah, yeah. it's rare it's really rare I've been like I. I Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I've, I've been meaning to check out the last two Mayhem records, I think. I don't think I've... I can't even think of the last one I listened to. They don't release a lot. Yeah. And, I mean, I think this, this newest record, and they have like an EP that I've been listening to, but the newest full length mm-hmm. and Grand Declaration. Yeah. 
are like the two records that I will actually go back to listen to. Like post the Day Mysterious right. era. It's hard too because those bands get so much, you know, everyone has a fucking opinion on that kind of stuff. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember listening to Chimera a couple times. And I just kind of lost track after that. Chimera just sounded like such a wash of just sound that, I don't know, they kind of lost me and I just haven't revisited. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, it's hard. It's like, it's almost stereotypical of black metal records now to Mm -hmm. talk about that band specifically but yeah it really is well uh carl i think it's time that we wrap this up uh thanks so much for joining me really appreciate it uh thanks for playing the new feral season stuff i'm super excited about that record um as far i mean you mentioned where to get the feral season that's going to be profound lore so that's pretty much any distro uh, yeah, and I I think uh, Europe stuff is through Season of Mist. Okay, that sounds right. As far as as far as I know, for mm-hmm. profound lore stuff. Yep. Um, and then Oculith, you mentioned that. Can you mention that again? Where to get those? Yeah. So Oculith, we have um, CDs are through Total Death, which is Total Death over Mexico has a an imprint now. So we have our CDs through Total Death and uh, the LPs through Seeing Red Records. Okay. Um, which is a smaller label out of the Midwest, I believe. And we should also have some of that stuff on our band camp. And yeah, I think, I think that's it. Cool. And uh, it's on Spotify? Yeah, Oculus full length is on Spotify. Feral season full length should be on Spotify by the time people listen to this. Great. Very good. Well, cool, man. Uh, again, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for talking about Enslaved and Mayhem and Cannibal Corpse, all the important stuff. Yeah, yeah. Thanks <laughs> Thanks for having me on. It's nice to, to talk about that kind of random shit for a while. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. And for the listeners, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, you can visit my website at earthandsound.org. There you can find my clothing line featuring shirts and hoodies from bands like Confessor and Disharmonic Orchestra, Old Lady Drivers, Sculptured Thief, things like that. Um, you can also find records for my bands such as Karata, Dolvin, Snares of Sixes, my solo stuff. All sorts of shit. Uh, so that, again, is earthandsound.org. Um, and, uh, yeah, everybody, thanks for joining in. Carl, let's do it again sometime. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, thank you. An Earth in Sound production.